welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards, uh, your your host for Tuesday Topics, and it's so glad to be here for the second time. Last week was a great kickoff show. I'd like to thank everyone who was here, and tonight's going to be fun too. We're going to begin with a special guest, as we often do on Tuesday Topics. And with us is the president of the American Council of the Blind, Mr. Dan Spoon. Hi, Dan. Hello, Paul. How are you doing this evening? I am well, thank you. And I thought that it might be fun uh, to spend a little time getting to know Dan a bit better and also giving Dan a chance to tell us something about what ACB is doing these days, uh, especially as we're all uh, maintaining physical distance, but hopefully are improving our social distance. So, Dan, why don't you start a little bit by 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 telling us about your kind of early life? You you didn't begin your life as a totally blind person, did you? Uh, no, Paul. I've got a disease called retinitis pigmentosis uh, (RP). So was diagnosed with uh, with RP when I was uh, eight years old, and uh, you know have gone through basically gradual gradual visual vision loss for you know most of my uh, you know formative years going into um, you know going into high school and then into college, and so um, you know really I would say you know first exposure to the American Council of the Blind at the national level was really, uh, you know, getting involved a little bit with CCLVI because I really had low vision at that point in time. But I, uh, you know, continued to lose my vision as I got older and older. And finally, I would say got to pretty much, you know, total blindness, just a little bit of, of light perception uh, on the edges here about four or five years ago. So, it's been a journey, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting as you're losing your vision as you're going through, your, through life. You know, it, the real positive there is you have images uh, from when you had a good sight that you get to carry with you. On the other side of it, you're continually adjusting every, you know, every day, every year, you know, the first time they hit a baseball up in the sky and you couldn't see it and it hit basically almost hits you in the head when it lands and then your baseball career ends and then you go on to the next sport or the next activity, you know, really was never able to, uh, never had a driver's license, although I did have a, uh, uh, you know, a restricted driver's license and you'll be happy to know, Paul, I got a B plus in driver's ed. So there was I'm a lot impressed. of great inflation back when I went to high school. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there and, and and there are lots of us who didn't get high school diplomas because we didn't take drivers ed. <laughs> right. It used to be a required required course, at least in the state of Florida, when you were yep. growing up, that you had to take it drivers did. ed. Yeah. Yeah. So um So you yeah. went to so the it, University of Florida, I think. That is correct. I, I always joke and said I spent the best decade of my life at the University of Florida. <laughs> I uh I uh, went for uh I went for a number of years there. I, it took me uh, five years to get my undergraduate degree. And then um, I went back uh, the following year and took a, got a, a, an, an MBA, a master's in business administration, which took another two years plus, a, plus an additional football season. 
So, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I went to school for, in Gainesville there for a fairly long time. Yeah, those football seasons are important, Dan. <laughs> oh, very much. At that point in time, it, 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 I think it was maybe even more important than my education, which was, uh, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe maybe didn't help me get off to too fast of a start. Yeah. And and I know you worked for quite a while for Siemens. What did you do for them? Yeah. Well, I that's kind of where I ended my career. When when I um, when I got out of college, like I said I had an MBA and, and really had you know had done pretty well and done pretty well in co- college. Had had really, all seriousness had pretty good grades. You know. Uh, Got a concentration in accounting. Of course, you would remember this, but back in those days, in the in the late 70s, uh, going into 80, uh, at that point in time, there were no uh, you know no special um, arrangements for people who wanted to sit for the CPA. They had you know no large print, no extra time, right. no reading. You know there were no accommodations made for accessibility at that point in time. This is before we had the ADA, of course. And so uh, at, uh, I ended up actually I couldn't get a job. Um, I had a partner from Price Waterhouse that actually gave me a second interview. You know, back then they had the big eight accounting firms, mm-hmm. and he pulled me aside. And this is this tells you how how much things have changed over the last forty years. But he said, Dan, I've tried. I've talked to our partners, but they're just not going to offer somebody with a visual impairment uh, a job at Price Waterhouse and he you know he just told me that flat out he said you have to realize we just hired our first woman in the in the firm two years ago (laughs) so you know that's kind of where you know we don't think of it now 40 years later but that's kind of where you know where employment was for blind and visually impaired people 40 years ago so so I opened up uh, a pizza restaurant uh, called DG's Pizza and did that for the next seven years. Uh, after two years, my partner Jerry and I opened up a second store. So I ran one and he ran the other one. We, we called it DG's because my name started with a D. His name started with a G. We put the I's in it so it sound Italian. So it was D-I-G-I, apostrophe S, so DG's Pizza. We, we delivered pizzas. We made subs. Uh, you know, we even got into renting videos for people on a Friday night. We'd deliver them a pizza, a video, and a gallon of milk from the Cumberland Farm to the next door if they wanted it. So it was pretty good business. Um, and then, you know, dominoes started coming in. Competition got tougher. And so I ended up going back to Valencia Community College in Orlando here and took a program called High Tech Training for the Disabled. Uh, which uh, at that point in time, they had not let, they let all disabilities in other than people with visual impairments. And so I was the first person they let in through the program that had, you know, that had, had a vision problem. Uh, and so uh, we went through this program. It, it met eight hours a day, five days a week. So 40 hours a week, you went to, uh, you know, community college campus and you had to wear a suit and tie to, to class every day because they were trying to train you to, to dress and act as a professional. But it had a wonderful business advisory council that was made up of representatives from all the top companies in Orlando. So Disney and HBJ, who owns SeaWorld, Orlando Utilities, AT&T, Westinghouse, 
um, Lockheed Martin. They were all part of this program. And at the end of that, uh, I got offered a job uh, working at Westinghouse Electric. Um, I was so It was a nine-month program, and at the end of the nine months, you got a three-month unpaid internship where you could kind of prove that you could uh, do the work. I was a mainframe, COBOL programmer, job control language, JCL type of stuff. And uh, got through the internship. They offered me a job at the most minimal level they could possibly pay me, which was $2,100 a month. And I got a job. And so I was pretty excited about that and, and ended up staying there the next 25 years. Uh, nine years into my career there at Westinghouse Electric, Siemens Energy, a German company, bought out Westinghouse. Westinghouse decided to get out of the industrial manufacturing business and, and go into broadcasting. They actually bought Viacom, not Viacom, but they bought uh, CBS and, uh, and actually changed their name from Westinghouse to CBS and then eventually got bought by Viacom. And so I... Um, Worked for them for the net for that for 25 years. Uh, retired uh, five years ago, so I had a really good career. Started out as a computer programmer, and then I eventually w became a team lead, and then went into management. Worked in the accounting area, and then eventually as a business project manager. I had a team of about 40 or 50 people with a number of managers and project managers underneath me, and we did uh, you know IT type of implementations pretty much around the world. We know we did them in Germany and Sweden, all over the United States. So it was a really, uh, it was a good career and, uh, and just learned a ton and, uh, and, and really had, a, it was a good company to work for. Yeah. That's excellent. And towards the end, were you still able pretty much to keep up with things despite the, the, your considerable vi vision loss or yeah, well, I had, you know, they, they were pretty accommodating to me. You know, they helped, they bought JAWS when I needed it. I had this uh, big CCTV type arrangement that I used for a number of years. Uh, it was kind of a handheld version of that uh, that allowed me to read large print. I had a huge monitor. So as my eyesight continued to, to degenerate, I got more and more, uh, you know, support there. And then, um, one of the lucky things for me is I was a I was a second level manager, so I had an administrative assistant, uh, which was really uh, you know helpful. Uh, so uh, you know that helped with some of the day to day correspondence and things like that. But uh, it was uh, you know I was really the only blind or visually impaired person out of about five thousand on our campus here in Orlando, across from University of Central Florida. So. Um, you know, it was a little bit of a unique from that standpoint. I had to really learn how to, you know, conduct business meetings uh, using, um, you know, everything was on PowerPoint presentations, slideshows, a uh, lot of that type of stuff. So, um, you know, really had to learn the material and, and, you know, be prepared for the meetings. My, my kind of take on it was always, First time somebody would meet me, especially if I would travel internationally and end up in, you know, Berlin or Mulheim or one of those places in Germany, well, I would walk in and people would like, what is this guy with the cane doing coming to our meeting? You know, what's going on here? And so my goal always was, you know, within a month, I want them to 
feel like I'm contributing enough, I'm adding enough value that they, you know, they want me to be part of that meeting. You know, they're saying, hey, we need Spoon to be in this meeting. And so that was always my goal. But I know you went through this in your career. You you were always having to prove yourself, right, over and over and over again with every new group of, uh, of people that you meet. Yep, whether you want to or not, that's the truth. But, yeah. but you are actually amazing because you really have never – have never had the time to 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 become a really good braille reader or anything like that. No, and I so, really haven't. And that, yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm amazed at how well your memory works. One of the things that uh, that amazed me um, at uh, our last board meeting was how well you were on top of the agenda and knew exactly where we were. Um, it's pretty mm -hmm. impressive, sir. Pretty impressive. Oh well, thank you. You know it. We all kind of develop different skills, uh, you know, d depending on, you know, what, what we bring to the table. So it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's got some pluses and minuses. Uh, you know, my gosh, I wish I was, a, uh, you know, a pr uh, proficient Braille reader, but, but I'm not. So I have to kind of improvise the best I can uh, in that particular circumstance. But it's... Um, you know, I've always, I've been, luckily I've been blessed with a, with a pretty good memory. And so, the, you know, that helps through a lot of the, a uh, lot of the outlines and that type of stuff. So. I think yeah. we could probably do a little better than pretty good. All right, let's, <laughs> let's change gear. Um, sure. You became, you became president of ACB last year. And just as you were bopping along with a, with a whole new, approach to ACB and, and, uh, and, and a series of, of nine different uh, groups that were reorienting the way ACB operated, the virus came along. So tell me a little bit about how ACB is responding to the virus. Sure. I, well, I, I tell you, I could not be uh, prouder of our organization. I mean, I, I just so happy to be a member of the American Council of the Blind. We have, I think, uh, as a as a as a family, as, as a unit, have really stepped up to the challenge of the coronavirus. I uh, I'm very proud of uh, the work that Cindy Van Winkle and some of her colleagues have done, putting together these community chats where. We really, you know, in the afternoon, in the evenings, mornings, almost every day, uh, there's a schedule out there where you can see a different community activity, uh, whether it be just a, you know, a morning coffee hour or this, you know, our Tuesday topics that we're talking, we're, we're having this evening, uh, let's talk sports, audio description, uh, easy chair yoga, cooking shows, recipe shows, uh, social issues. I listened in on BPI the other night who did an absolutely fantastic show about parenting. It's just amazing all the different content that our members are stepping up and providing to each other. And, and it's providing support. It's providing outreach. In many cases, it's just providing somebody to have an opportunity to connect with. So I, I, I'm really proud of the activity that we're doing there. Our staff has done an outstanding job. Uh, uh, Eric and team 
very quickly moved to working in a virtual setting. Uh, they're still manning the phones, their emails. Uh, my gosh, I mean, I'm on multiple phone calls with them a day, and I don't, uh, you know, the, the amount of work that they're getting done for our organization is just uh, absolutely fantastic. So uh, I've been really excited about how the staff is performing under this, uh, you know, it's really cloud of uncertainty. And, and then the board of directors and the way, you know, everybody works through dealing with our convention, really understanding that at the end of the day, it was all about the health and safety of our members. And it was just not going to be practical for us to meet, uh, unfortunately, this year for the first time in 59 years at a live convention. But everybody has just stepped up um, and moved and moved forward, hasn't lost a beat, and are, is just working at a phonetic pace to really put together the best virtual convention that we can uh, that we can, uh, you know, put together for ACB. And, and Paul, I think we're going to knock people's socks off. I think people are terribly underestimating what our community of blind and visually impaired people can do. And I think we're really good in the virtual arena. We, we are used to this. We, we, we live on conference calls. I know you and I do, right? Yes, we and, do. And we're, we're pretty good at it. Our membership is used to talking to each other on the phone and going through the right protocols and, you know, and, and being courteous to each other and, and really allowing other people to speak and, and, and behave in a very formal and familiar setting. And so I, I'm excited. I've been talking with Janet Dickelman, our uh, convention coordinator, uh, two or three times a day. Everybody is putting just fantastic programs together, our special interest affiliates, our committees, uh, our business partners. So uh, I'm just really excited. I think we are going to put uh, a virtual convention together that is going to knock, knock people's socks off. And I'm I'm thinking we're going to have thousands of people in attendance. It's, it's pretty exciting. I think we may well. Paul, before we go too farther, how, how are you doing? How are things going at your home? Are you, how is social distancing going there, uh, you know, in Miami? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Dan, and thanks for asking. I've got um, my brother here with me at the moment, though I think he's going to go back to work driving a, a, a an 18-wheeler next week but so mm -hmm. far he's been here and that's made things immensely easy for me I'm very lucky to have had him here ah that's great fantastic so if we you know if we have to go out and get groceries we have a car and we can do that so it's very cool that's the hardest part is the yeah you know the, those couple of key errands you have to run to get groceries or to get uh, prescriptions those type of things yep. or doctor's appointment yeah it's tough. Mr. Rick, do we have someone who's got a hand raised? Yes, we do, Paul. We've got a uh, phone number ending in 4373. 4373, you're up. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? This is Eugene in Clearwater. Well, hey, Eugene, how are you? I'm doing Good fine, doing voice. fine. Well, I'm looking forward to the convention. And, uh, you know, you, you didn't tell us anything about how you and Leslie met. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, well, that's the highlight of my life. So uh, thanks for asking that question. Yeah. Uh, uh, my wife, yeah. Leslie, and I met, uh, gosh, it's almost 24 years ago now in 1996 at a Foundation Fighting Blindness Convention. Uh, we just happened to get uh, seated. Uh, it, it was it was in Washington, D.C. at the uh, uh, DuPont Circle Hilton. And the first event of the convention was going down a dinner, a dinner cruise down the Potomac River. And we happened to get seated at the same table. And, uh, you know, there was a, one couple in between us, uh, Vicki Kennedy from, uh, she was living in San Francisco now, uh, then she now lives in Hawaii. And I, and I got to meet her again just a year and a half ago when Leslie and I went out to uh, participate in the, uh, uh, Hawaii Association of the Blind Convention, but uh, we were, uh, they, they got up and took Leslie's sister Anita to the bathroom, and I slid over and started talking to Leslie, and she asked me if, uh, if, I, if, we, if we wanted to dance, and I'm like, well, I'm not much of a dancer, and they were playing the Macarena, and so she oh, says, no. come on out and do the Macarena, I can teach you how to do the Macarena, and so we went out and danced, and and ended up hitting it off and talking and going up on the upper deck and spending a little time, you know, getting to know each other better. And and then at the end of the convention, we were, uh, you know, we we started dating. She lived in Vegas. I lived in Orlando. We did cross-country dating for about a year there and then ended up getting married. But I know Paul Edwards actually met my wife before I did. I did. <laughs> I, I was out in Las Vegas for a convention and Leslie and, and Anita were there, and, um, and, and they, they, they made an offer that I shouldn't have refused. They said, we'll take you out on the town in Las Vegas, and I, I didn't do it. I, I missed my chance, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that was a but, good thing uh, for you, yeah. Dan. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Eugene, and uh, yeah, and, and that was so funny, you know, so 20 Twenty-something years later, Vicky calls me because she has to introduce me at the convention in Hawaii, and she says, "Now, Dan, there was a woman there at that convention in Washington that you all were kind of hitting it off. Whatever happened to her?" I said, "Vicky, I married her." <laughs> so we'll never know where life's going to take you. <laughs> I look forward to the convention this year. So. Oh, thank you, thank Eugene. You, Eugene. We're, right. we're sorry thank that you. the uh, Low Vision Expo got canceled this year, but we'll be back next yeah. year. Well, it'll definitely be again next year. Okay, super. Excellent. All right. Thank you. E Eugene is president of our Pinellas chapter in Florida here and, and does an, an excellent job, one of our best chapters. Who's next, Mr. Rick? Uh, we have Chris Bell. Dan, I wanted to uh, raise an issue with you that uh, I've recently come across. And um, uh, I wondered if you have any uh, knowledge about it. Um, as you know, under the Javits-Wagner-O'Day Act, we have National Industries for the Blind and also uh, National Industries for the Severely Handicapped. And uh, here in North Carolina, we have a number of workshops and some of them have been deemed uh, essential work uh, because they have contracts with the Department of Defense. And one of those, uh, three blind employees uh, have come down with COVID-19. Uh, and uh, one of them, one of our members who's on a respirator currently in hospital, but he's, uh, he's getting better. But I've talked to a number of other uh, workshop uh, workers in, in different 
parts of North Carolina. And really very little is going on in those workshops by way of precautions to prevent infection uh, with the coronavirus. And, you know, people aren't wearing masks and uh, to the extent that they can, they can't always, uh, there's no social distancing. And one guy brought a mask in and was, was uh, told he couldn't wear it because uh, of an OSHA requirement, which was ridiculous. So <clears throat> it seems to me that this is probably a national problem because uh, I'm sure we have many, many members at ACB that work for uh, NIB associated facilities. Um, and I don't know whether NIB is giving out any advice uh, or how the uh, local governments are dealing with it. But I think it's a, it, it's a problem because a lot of the guidance that's out there now is for people who are interacting with the public, like grocery workers and the like. And uh, mm -hmm. people that are working and not interacting with the public, uh, that issue isn't being dealt with. Dan? So what I've done yeah. is to uh, contact Disability Rights of North Carolina, and uh, we're going to start trying to deal with that in this state. But I wanted to raise it at the national level. Good well, point. well, thank you, Chris, and that, uh, and I will definitely, you know, I'll, I'll get in touch with Eric and and Clark and Claire and team tomorrow and see if we can reach out to the National Industries for the Blind. I know. Uh, we also have a member of our advisory board, Lee Nasahi, who's the CEO of Vision Serve Alliance. And many of the, uh, you know, of the rehab centers and National Industry for the Blind organizations are also part of Vision Serve Alliance. So I'll see, uh, you know, if there's anything we can do from that angle as well. I, I know I personally serve on the Lighthouse Central Florida board here in Orlando. And there, you know, I get updates from their executive director every day, and they're working very hard to make sure that people keep the right social distances, you know, in their NIB facility. But I, I'm sure that's it could vary from from you know facility to facility, and so uh, it really is something that there should be some some national guidelines that come out on that. Chris, are you president of North Carolina now? Yes, I am. Yeah, thought you were. It's excellent. Yep. Chris is. Uh, Chris. Chris has spoken to our national convention before. Dan, you might remember him. He used to work for the Office of Civil Rights in Washington way back when. Right, and we're hoping to put something uh, together for Chris to be able to to speak this year virtually uh, on the 30th anniversary of the ADA. So. Um, That'd be cool. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we could we could we could Thanks, do a Chris. dueling panelist thing. <laughs> All right, yeah, who's you next? Yeah, would be Eric? a good one-two punch for that. We, I think we would be fun. Yeah. Okay, the next person is Mary. Hi, I'm Mary Hop. I'm from Louisiana, and I wanted to agree with Dan that. Blind people are so much more adept at all of these Zoom and conference calls. Um, I was talking to a, a sighted person today, and she was saying how, oh, how difficult all this has been. She's had to get used to Zoom, and, you know, I, I was just like, oh, yeah, we've been doing that for a long time. And I, I wanted to um, tell you, Dan, that I really admire your upbeat um, upbeat personality. You always seem to be so upbeat. And um, I was just wondering, do you have anything that you attribute that to? Oh, 
Well, I, I think uh, great parents. Uh, I, had, I have two of the most wonderful parents in the world. They're 88 years old, uh, still living here in Orlando. Uh, my mom was a guidance counselor, high school guidance counselor, and my dad was a high school football coach and principal. And so, you know, our, our, our day almost started with a pep rally at our house growing up. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was uh, lots of competition, but a lot of a positive way to view life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a tough time. They're in a, uh, a retirement center right now. And so I mm-hmm. can't go down and see them. I, I missed my mom's birthday uh, here two weeks ago, and my dad's birthday is, is coming up this, this Monday. And, and that's kind of sad to miss their birthdays. But I tell you, Mary, they wake up every day with the most positive attitude. You know, it's like, well, Dan, we've already lived through a depression and, and World War II and recessions and, and you know, uh, all these struggles of life. And they just get up every day with a positive attitude, and I think they, they instilled that in my sister and I. And, you know, we don't have a lot of control of things in our lives, especially sometimes if we're blind and visually impaired. But the one mm-hmm. thing we do have control over is, is our attitude, you know. And so I kind of look at things as a challenge, as an opportunity, rather than, uh, you know, uh, uh, a a a barrier, if, if that kind of makes sense. That's great. So. They sound like wonderful people. Oh, they, thank they you, are. Mary. And I, and I got to tell you, Mary, that I, I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you to, to Mary. I don't know if how much you all, how well you all know Mary, but Mary is a member of uh, the membership services posse. And uh, yes. she reaches out and calls on members who are, you know, maybe having trouble when their membership has lapsed or, or they're just needing to pick me up or, or follow through. And, and uh, Mary, uh, Mary's part of that team, and she does it as a volunteer, like eight or ten hours a week of calling, calling our members and touching base with them. And you are just sunshine. You are wonderful. So thank you, Mary. Well, I enjoy it, and I really enjoy working with Cindy Van Winkle. Yeah, and Mary, Mary is also a library without walls person, so. Oh, yes, ah, I enjoy that. Very good. Very good. Very good. So, so Mary, thank you for all you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're welcome. Exactly. I thank you for all you do. <laughs> We're all in it together. That's right. Mm-hmm. And who is next, sir? Okay, phone number A ending in 5829, please. Yes, hi. This is Peter Altshaw from Columbia, Missouri. And thank you, Dan, for, for being on the show and allowing us to interact with you. Uh, first of all, I, I want to say I really do agree with you about this upcoming convention. I think, it's, I think it has the potential for being really terrific. Uh, we at Friends and Art are beginning to get our act together, and we think we'll put on a pretty good showcase for the event. I want to talk a little bit about employment. Um, I, uh, as a member who used to be in charge of the Employment Committee, I'm sort of disappointed in the way ACB has handled employment issues over the past few years. And I understand that you have lots of competing um, things you've got to address, but I do wish um, ACB could find a way to put employment more on stage than it has been over the past few years. Um, I think especially now, uh, now that the virus has happened, I think the whole employment thing is going to change. I, my guess is there's going to be a lot more work at home kind of deals. I'm guessing the whole office thing is going to change a little bit. 
And I think I'm hoping that over the next few years, ACB can take a leadership role in thinking through those issues with, with the key players. Uh, and I hope you guys will take, will take that into consideration. Well, thanks, Peter. Yeah. First, thanks so much for the, I saw your post today on leadership for the virtual friends and art showcase. That looks really exciting. I think, uh, uh, I, I can't wait to have a, you know, an opportunity to, to listen to that. It's going to be, I think, on Friday night, right, as we kick off the convention yep. on July 3rd. The opening so convention be... activity, and we're looking forward to it, too. We don't know quite what to expect, but we'll be ready. Oh, that's cool. And, and, and then related to employment, uh, and I know you're part of the employment committee uh, with, with, with Brooke, Josh said, and, and how do you – what can we do to to provide more visibility? I know we work with Sharon and she puts the job listings out there, but I feel like there's there's more opportunity uh, for you know uh, might not be this year. It might be you know next year when we get to Phoenix for the convention. But what are your two or three key opportunities of things that we could do to really promote employment? You know, I think well, we can the help first thing, people maybe bring the, jobs to people and that kind of stuff. But yeah. the first, the, the very first thing I'd like to, I would encourage you to do is to get on one of our meetings and talk mm -hmm. about your vision for employment within ACB. What do you think uh, you guys are thinking about? And help us sort of uh, get a better sense of direction so we can work okay. more collaboratively with you guys. The second okay. thing I would ask you to think about is I seem to recall a couple of years ago you forge some kind of a partnership with some big shot employment, uh, disability employment uh, organization, whose name I can't remember right now. And I've often wondered what's happened ever since that big announcement that Meteor Lease went out. What's been going on ever since with that with that partnership? I've heard nothing mm -hmm. about that. And I don't then, think that was me, but I can look into no, it. No, it actually yeah. was not Definitely. you. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you, but the, you, but the, you mean, but the partnership you mean was ACB. Yeah, okay. ACB. With ACB. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's absolutely within ACB. It was toward the end of, you know, I, I want to say two years ago. Um, and okay. I don't remember the name of the organization, but there was a media release that went out and with, with lots of fanfare. I thought, this is really mm -hmm. cool. This We should be able to figure out ways of connecting, working with this organization, whose name I don't remember right now. Um, okay. It, so, uh, but if you, I'm sure somebody has that information somewhere. Uh, what's mm -hmm. going on? You know, can we strengthen that relationship with whoever that outfit is? And then the third thing is, um, you know, uh, are there employers that we can bring in, you know, maybe who were who work with us, maybe some of the some of our sponsors, who might be willing to uh, work a little more with internships or mentoring programs or hiring qualified people. That's the ideal, of course. Um, mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things I'm thinking about. But the but the first thing I would really would like to see you do is come on to one of our meetings and sort of talk to us about your vision of, of what you think ACB should be doing with employment and how we can work together to make this happen. Because right now I feel we're sort of adrift. And okay, it's, well, I'll, yeah, I'll reach that, out to Brooke and, uh, and we'll try to at least, we can, we can do that one pretty easily. So yeah, yeah I appreciate I mean, it. I'd start with yeah. that and then figure out yeah. where to go from there. So anybody, you okay. know, I know you guys are busy and have lots of other things to do, but I would, I would encourage you to think about employment a little more proactively than I think it's been done over the past few years. Okay, Thanks, Peter. very good. Thank you. Yep. Who's next, Rick? Okay, phone number ending in 2042. I'm Tammy from Pennsylvania, and I can't wait till this convention happens. I want to sign up to 
be involved because I haven't been able to join the convention. Uh, I agree that I think what this convention is going to offer for us this year is an opportunity for a lot of those folks who haven't been able to come to a convention in person that now we're going to have the opportunity for all of our members to participate, whether you normally have the, the, the time or the finances uh, to, to travel to a, a particular geographic location. This year, all you have to do is from your, the comfort of your own home, uh, just you know, register, uh, and for your $25 registration fee, you will be connected to, you know, just, uh, you know, a hundred different workshops, uh, general sessions every day, all kinds of prime time uh, events. And it's just, I think, going to be, we're going to have a virtual exhibit hall and, and just all kinds of, of opportunities for people to get involved. So, Tammy, I'm with you. I hope this is really going to be uh, a, a, a first time for a lot of people to really be involved in the day-to-day -day, uh, operations of the American Council of the Blind Convention. I can't wait to um, be involved because it is expensive to go to a convention, and this will help me with the Alexa of getting it through the Alexa device. Sure will. What part? What part are you looking forward to to participating in the most? What what what's kind of got your interest? Well, some of the um, breakout sessions and Good. like the library users and all right, Miss Tammy. We're going um, to have Aaron Jones is going to be our talking book narrator and. Uh, I you know, can't she'll wait be, to yeah, that. hear her, yeah, and we'll and have I Karen Kenninger, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what the library NOS is doing um, with the Braille displays and stuff because I like exactly. reading Braille books. And Fantastic. Library users and I is also going to be doing, oh. go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. I want to join more of the uh, affiliates. I need to find more information about them. And when uh, are does... you a member of the Library Users of America nope. right now? No. Oh, you should reach out to Paul Edwards and to Judy Wilkinson and, mm -hmm. and see about becoming a member. I am a I am a member of the Keystone Chapter of the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. Excellent. We are a phone chapter, so we are used to being, you know, on the phone because our cha my chapter is a statewide plus at large, you know, where someone's in another state and they want to join, they can. So I am a member of the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. Um, one of their chapters that's Excellent. and I Thank haven't you, been a member of the Pennsylvania you know it's been a short term since I've been a member maybe well, glad three or four Thank years you we're so glad much, you're with Tammy. us now we hope you enjoy the convention okay yep bye -bye. I will right thanks Thank you. Tammy yep hey guys Hi. hello 
That's Bob. That's Bob. Yeah, hey, I was, Bob. Welcome. I, I was recharging my Bluetooth speaker and trying to use the iPhone and butts around with it. And anyway, so what I'd like to talk about tonight, Dan, is uh, VR services and the elder blind and what's happening because of WIOA, which as part of the rehab task force, it seems to me that WIOA is out to get us blind people, whether it's taking away the homemaker services or this whole thing. Oh, well, the older blind have to go to the independent living centers now. I mean, that was kind of the flavor that I got from the mid-year meetings when you guys had the representative stay there. And we've had various resolutions on older blind funding and stuff. And I'm wondering if you have any new or fresh ideas to be able to get some funding for a group that has been badly neglected for a very long time. Yeah, I, it's a, uh, it, it's, you know, like I said, I'm a member of the Lighthouse Central Florida board and we, we are challenged every year in our local lighthouse where we have many more people, you know, needing elderly blind services than we get funding from the state of Florida to, to provide. And so, you know, it takes private funding to go out there and be able to raise the money to keep the, the program going at the level it needs to go at. And I think, what is it, like $32 million that gets spread across the entire United States? It's less than $200 a person. That's it, correct. You know, and, and then with WIOA, we've now taken away the home homemaker 26 closures as uh, as well as the amount of funding that's having to go into the transition, uh, you know, age group. So it's really, you know, even even put more, uh, you know, more taxing um, uh, situation on the VR program. And so I, I don't know. It's it's I, I understood a little bit of where the government was trying to go to get to job placements, but it's it's really uh, left our elderly blind program in, in a bad situation. And I think, it, unfortunately, I don't know if we're going to make a whole lot of progress uh, until we get to a new administration, but it is really, you know, it's something that we're going to have to, you know, make a legislative imperative, and we're really going to have to, you know, to see if we can get additional funding out there. I, you know, it's one of those things that the money's appropriated by, um, you know, through Congress, and we're going to have to advocate and work to try to get that, that amount raised. Um, I think one area that seems to have some promise is the whole idea of maybe getting some of these services characterized as occupational therapy, which seems to then allow some funding, you know, through the, through the healthcare stream. So, Paul, have you have you done much research on that? I know a couple of different programs have looked into that, but yeah, that's certainly one of the directions that I that that I think folks are are looking at. I guess I guess my thought is that our economy is in such a mess now, and when we come back from this crisis. There are going to be so many focuses that that whether we like it or not, I think it's going to be an awfully long time, probably a year or two, before we can uh, expect to get very much uh, traction on an issue like that because there 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 are so many issues that I think are going to step 
to the trough ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're really going to be in a position where we're going to just be fighting to not lose what we already have, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's Um, right. You just see it even with like idea and what's going on there where very quickly, even in this C3 program, you know, they put a, you know, a, a potential state waiver out there that people could, could, you know, um, not, uh, you know, not honor the IDEA uh, with the individual education plans here. Right. And so that exactly. I just see those kind of assaults happening to us all the time, even even here in Florida with people trying to sign up for their unemployment insurance. You know, the website, they're struggling for it to be accessible. You can't call in because there's the phones are so backed up that only one out of every six people are getting their calls answered in eight hours. And so, and, again, and it really isn't, we're going to have, to, really we're gonna have to fight like hell yep. just to not lose ground, I'm afraid. And yeah, that's, so Bob, that's what I'm Bob, I wish I had saying. a better answer for you, but yeah. Yep. Who's next, Mr. Rick? David Trot. David. Hey, David. David. How, how, how y'all doing? We're, We're going pretty good, buddy. How are you? Yeah. I'm. I'm great. Uh, first of all, I want to commend you and your and our staff. Uh, nobody realizes the amount of work every day that you put in yourself into ACB. Uh, you're on the phone constantly. You're you're worrying me and other board members to get things done. Uh, but you and our staff, man, they, they have really been impressive through this whole thing. Uh, I, I said all that, and I hate to add more work, but I've, I've got a concern, and it's kind of a growing concern. You know, a lot of the United States is rural. And how are our blind and, and, and visually impaired people getting served stuff like food deliveries and medical situations, you know, medicines, doctor visits, that kind of thing. I'm really concerned about that from the standpoint that, you know, we take for granted Uber and Instacart where we have it, but we have a lot Mm -hmm. of areas that, you know, I I joke with some of my friends, like in Talladega, if I hit the Uber app, it laughs laughs and says, are you for real? But, um, you know, there, there's a lot, peop- a lot of people even here in Alabama worse off than I am. You know, we have one cab right. company here, and uh, fortunately we have friends. But we need to start reaching out uh, through some of Cindy's people probably and, and some of our local presidents of ACB, you know, chapters and affiliates. Right. We need to find out about this and, and get some kind of handle on it in case that right. we, we need to maybe challenge the rehab services in those areas. Uh, you know, this is a time that they could help the elder blind and step up to right. the plate. It, it'd be stepping outside the box for them, but uh, it's something that could be done. But I just wanted to put that thought out there. And again, my, my main reason for calling, and we can't stress it enough, the job that you do and our staff are doing and our board's doing Y'all are doing a great job, and just keep up the good work. Well, thank you, David, and so are you as our as our treasurer. You're really keeping us on the straight and narrow, and uh, you know, really, you know, we, financially, we're managing through some tough times here. For those that don't know, our our thr- two thrift stores uh, in uh, Lubbock and Amarillo, Texas, have both been 
shuttered due to the coronavirus. And so, you know, there's a real um, disparity of financial income there for ACB this year. And, you know, convention getting canceled and going with a virtual convention, there's going to be a huge impact there. So we've got, you know, we've got some real financial hurdles to overcome over the next six months uh, with, with ACB. But David, I think you bring up a good point, and I think um, you know there's some things we can do working with our rehab centers and our different uh, you know agencies serving the blind in the different states. But I would cur encourage all of our members that are listening today to really rely on your local chapters. I know here in Orlando, uh, you know uh, somebody mentioned you know Leslie, my wife earlier. You know, her and, and another one of our members, Bill Freeman, they reached out and contacted all 90 of our members in our local chapter just to see how they were doing, if there was any extra services we could do to help. Uh, we found that actually a couple of people that were struggling to get food, and we worked to, uh, you know, go through some of the, the grocery delivery services and have food delivered to their house. They weren't you know, they weren't at the level to be able to, to order that on their own, either financially or, or with the technical expertise. And so I think all of us need to reach out and help each other during this uh, time of need. So thanks for that question, uh, David. It's a good question. And I think it really is all of us pulling together as a family and helping each and every one of our members. Dan, I think the other thing that that, that I would like to see us do is to gather some data from our state affiliates so that we'll have a better idea of what our experience was through this crisis, which will then allow us to develop some perhaps uh, policy approaches to deal with, with rural folks. Because I think part of the trouble is we don't, we don't know enough uh, about what's going on with them and we really need to find out more so that we can perhaps look at creating some transportation options and, and working legislatively to, uh, to create some other options. But the first thing we need to do is get information. So we need to rely on yep. our members to let us know what's going on. Yep, and I think that's a lot of what Cindy can do some of that and reaching out with her posse. And I was really impressed with Tammy who called in earlier uh, this part of the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, and it sounds like she was saying she's part of a Keystone chapter, which is a uh, telephonic only chapter, which I think is really a very interesting approach to reaching out to those in rural areas where, yeah. you know, if you've got a person here and a person there, it's hard to maybe form a chapter, but you could, you could create a statewide uh, chapter of folks that could participate in your state affiliate without, uh, you know, instead of going to an in-person local meeting, which none of us are doing now, we're all meeting virtually. What a great time to put a, a rural virtual chapter together for right. your state. So I know I Michigan does that as well. Reach out and connect. Yeah. Michigan does mm -hmm. that, and I think there are some others. Uh, can Michigan we does one it, more I person think Georgia in, does it. Yep. yep, Georgia does. You're right. Yeah. Paul, that is everybody who's had their hands up. That's excellent. So, Dan, there are some there are some areas that have come out of the CARES Act. Uh, are there are there any in particular you'd like to draw people's attention to? 
Oh, shoot. I mean, you know, there's, of course, Paul, several areas there. So, you know, again, if one, of course, if anybody has lost their lost their job, I would, you know, immediately encourage them to anything they can do to get, you know, through their state system and get on the, you know, uh, apply for unemployment. If they need any help, ACB, you know, reach out to the office. We'll try to help them if they're having any accessibility issues, this type of stuff. But I think it's very important to, um, uh, you know, to follow through and, and sign up for your unemployment and take advantage of the additional funding that will be coming from the federal government there. If you if you have, if you're a, you know, what do they call it? You're a member of the gig economy or you're a contractor. You know, unemployment is not the narrow band of unemployment that it was before. So there's, you know, opportunities there for you to apply if you were maybe not a traditional uh, employee. So so please look into that. Uh, there's also opportunities if you're a small business owner uh, to take advantage of the Small Business Administration loans uh, that are uh, were part of this C3 program. Our own American Council of the Blind, we're working to uh, put in for a Small Business Administration loan. Uh, for both our thrift stores and our office. Uh, also, just be aware of your rights. Uh, if you're on SSDI or SSI, uh, you should be getting a $1,200 check for each person, $2,400 for a couple. Uh, if you filed electronically, uh, then you're kind of registered and, you know, and, and should be able to get the money hopefully here in the next three to four weeks. Uh, if you're not you know, through, you know, through your tax return uh, set up the, for it automatically to go into your bank account, it, then it may take, uh, it may take a little bit longer for the checks to come through. But, but, you know, remember that that's available to you. And, and I would just say for anybody that's in need, you know, remember that at this point in time, you know, uh, landlords are, are not supposed to be evicting people if, if they can't pay their rent. Power companies and water companies are, you know, working very hard in most locations to, uh, you know, not turn off anybody's power or water. And so really, you know, take, um, take a deep breath, relax, and we'll all get through this together. And, and really prioritize your needs. You know, you really, um, I was listening to a, a, a life coach, a therapist the other day, and she was sharing that when you're going through a situation like this, you're, you're really dealing with a brain biological response of, you know, fight versus flight. You know, you're, you're in a crisis situation. Your body's reacting to that and your brain gotten all these different, uh, you, you know, hormones and things are kicking in and, it, and it's really running at a very, very rapid rate. So she was saying, you know, don't, don't absorb yourself in this stuff too much. You know, take an opportunity to, to take a deep breath. First, kind of unplug, you know, read a book, you know, from your library. Uh, go, you know, call a friend. Get on a community chat with the American Council of Blind. Kind of do something positive and unplug from all of the news and the crisis. And then secondly, she said, she said, second, charge up. You know, so, so remember, what are those things that make you healthy? You know, 
eat, eat, eat your, you know, do a good job of eating your three meals a day, getting your food, uh, get good sleep, you know, uh, go ahead and get a lot of, of rest and, and exercise, you know, get out, walk around your neighborhood. Uh, even though you can't, uh, you know, hug your neighbor, you can wave at him as you walk by, uh, you know, the, down the street. Hit him with your cane. Uh, you hit him with your cane, exactly right, yeah. It's so, uh, you know, uh, so take some time to charge up. And then third, they say you always feel better if you can be of service. So if you can reach out and help a friend, help a member in the American Council of the Blind, maybe just help your next door neighbor, um, like someone said earlier, we're, we're really good at this conference calling stuff. Um, Leslie has an exercise group that comes into the house, uh, you know, most of the weekday mornings. She got them all on a conference call, free conference call, and they call in on Monday and they drink a cup of coffee and they share stories and, and uh, you know, talk about their, their week. And she's so used to conducting meetings, she, you know, puts them in order and lets them all take turns talking. And, you know, and after an hour, they feel, you know, they feel better about themselves. So there's something we can all do to be of service to our community. So I think those are some good tips. Thank you, Mr. Dan, and thank you for being with us on Tuesday Topics. We appreciate well, thank you, having Paul, you and, uh, here. Congratulations, congratulations on the show. It's, uh, it's great to have it back, and uh, we look forward to listening each and every week. And next week, we're going to be looking at legal and ethical issues surrounding the coronavirus and blind people. So I hope everybody will tune in so that we can talk about what some of those are and what perhaps we can do about them. So we appreciate everyone who's joined us on Tuesday Topics this evening. And Rick, thank you very much for your help as co-host. Without you, this program wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm.